is, I want to be a wise woman. This is, and that was what attracted to me, her to, to me, as I thought. She's cute. I was saying, whoa. <laughs> but the fact that her value was wisdom was made her stand out in an amazing way. So I want, can I pray for you, honey? And Please. Like, all right. All right, thank you so much for the ways that over decades you've built this message in her life, layer upon layer upon layer. And I, I thank you that you have given her wisdom. You have given her accurate words. So give us ears to hear, Lord, and hearts to receive all that you're saying and doing, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, good morning. Good morning. So um, Mark said the uh, last 24, the last uh, week has really been a marathon for us. I feel like I have um, been somewhere either like in Mogadishu with Black Hawk and you're like running through the fires and you're kind of jumping over this obstacle and that's not, and I'm going to make it and finally you're going to throw yourself onto the helicopter and they're going to take you away. And I feel like Whew, one obstacle, two obstacles, three obstacles. Whew. Or the other thing I was thinking of today was like this, um, what are they, the Ninja Warriors? Is, is uh, Alexi here today? Um, like one obstacle. Okay, she made it. One more obstacle. Let's see, can she hang on? And that's what I have felt like for the last 24, <laughs> the last week. So we did family camp, and then I'm the one hour away from, one hour, no. It was one mile. We left Dedham. We left our house. We were driving, and one mile away from our house, we get a phone call that Mark's uncle has passed away. So <clears throat> I married into a clan, and the Buckner clan is tight. But they also have had multiple injuries, like, to the, like you know how families, sometimes things happen. And so things have happened over the years that have pulled them apart. But I knew that it was going to be, they pulled them apart, like judgments, hurt, things that need to be healed. Um, but they are, they are, nonetheless, they know they're Buckners and they show up. So um, we went to honor his aunt and his uncle and all the other aunts and uncles, which is Mark's dad and mother and other aunts and uncles. And so for three days, we spoke honor to our aunts and uncles and our cousins, and we cried a lot. Not be, we didn't cry. I mean, we were sad that Uncle Jimmy passed away, but we cried because we had words of honor and such importance to deliver these messages. We just spoke honor to our elders who have blessed us, and we cried when we said these things. It was an honor to be there. But I pray that my words of honor built them up and that they are, have perp you know, they, they are the in nearer the end of their life than I am, at, as far as I know. And I just pray that they're walking today with a sense of purpose um, because they know how important they have been to us. So, in coming back last night, with all those emotional things that have been going on, now, Mark asked me to help to, to share this much a couple months ago. 
but I kind of came up like, I don't know. I mean, I was going to come up blank. And so, honey, I said, so on several occasions, I said, no, honey, I don't think I can do this. And I really had left it. He was preparing the message. So he was preparing the message because I had said no. So last night on the airplane, we, um, I said, so how, how's the sermon coming, honey? And he said, I've got, it's coming. I've got some, some stuff. But we were, you know, it's not like he had a lot of open space this week, you know. So he was going to pull it together on the airplane and bring the thoughts onto paper. And he's wiped out. And you know what? He goes to Texas tomorrow because the entire staff is going for a um, conference. And so he's got to be sharp tomorrow. So on the airplane, so I said, uh, would it be helpful if I helped you, you know, jumped in? Would you like me to come alongside? And he said, yeah, it would be great. Of course, he had already asked, you know, so he had asked me several months ago, but I had declined, so I had left it. So this time he said, yeah, I I would, and I said, and so we tried to talk about what I did, like, and after a few minutes, I said, would you like me to just take it? And he said, yes, okay. So, and actually, you know how that is when you're speaking with somebody, it's really hard to work it out. I mean, to work it out in details takes a lot of time, um, and it's harder to work in tandem. So, it's just like in a matter of time, we said, I'll, I'll just take it. So, I said, I got this one for you, honey. This is my love letter to you today. Um, and so, we came home, we got home at uh, 11.30 last night, and at 12 o'clock, I opened up the computer and Mark helped me with, like, clothes, unpacking, uh, illustrations, and then he went to bed. And so, late night, um, the last time I saw the clock was 3.30. And, um, but I feel, um, I feel like the Lord has given me something to say. So, in, even though that was late, and it's not, it's, you know, it's like last minute, but it's not. Because I feel like I've been... There is, Mark said this to me yesterday, he said, this is a life story for you yesterday. And actually, when he said that, I was like, really? It was like blank. He said, yeah, don't you remember? I said, no, I don't remember. And back in college, I said, that was a long, long time ago. (laughs) So, um, but, but there is ways that I had spoken this, like, I value this. Even in young ages, even though lots have happened, and I feel like I'm beat up and battered down, and I feel like I'm uh, overweight and out of shape, there is places that I have built into my life that uh, I have some words, and it inspires me, even as I prepare. It's like, okay, let's get back in shape, and how am I going to get back in shape? So uh, I am with you. I'm like in the training. You, like just because you train once doesn't mean you, it's going to last a lifetime. So I feel like I'm back at that point where I go, I need to get back into the training of this. So um, today's passage, if we could put that up there. So today we're speaking, our topic today is the power of the tongue or taming the tongue. And Alex did a great job of preaching to the kids. Everybody say yay. We found out that Alex can preach. Next time we... And um, 
I pre- I'm so in today, instead of me rereading this, because he read it, we're just gonna, I'm just going to start from there and say the words he spoke over our children and over us, we just receive those today. We just say, yes, Jesus, I receive the words that you were spoken over us. And I just um, have some observations for these texts, for this text, which is about the power of the tongue and trying to bring it under submission. First of all, uh, the verse in verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be... I'm going to turn my... I have a little timer here. I'm going to time this up. Um, okay. Uh, you know, not many of you who teach, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that the, we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble. So he's saying, like the plural, all of us, we, I included, stumble in many ways. Anyone who is and fault in what they say it is not in fault, never in fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. And so I just say that's a moment, that's to me, that's the fear of the Lord is to understand it's not that we shouldn't teach. I think everybody should desire to learn the word of God and to be able and to pass it on to other, like read the Bible daily, tell somebody else about it. Whatever you learn, tell somebody else. So that's, that's not the warning. But it is the fear of the Lord, because if you bring yourself up, you know, and say, uh, then you will be judged. Like, I'm held to a, as, I remember in our 20s, Mark had this, Mark would speak this verse to us, and he would say, he would just, re- he would repeat this verse. This is like, I learned from my husband in my 20s. And because he ate the Bible up. Now, I, I read the word too, but he ate it. He just devoured and thought about it and imply, applied it. And I was in medical school, and he would give me rich nuggets that I would learn from. And this was one of them. He said, we need, like, our life uh, needs to be at a higher standard. Not at a higher than other people, but we, other people are watching. I need to be saying, doing what I'm saying. So if what I'm saying doesn't line up with what I'm doing, there is a problem, and I need to recalculate. That's how I see that. Um, but it gives us an inspiration to, um, <clears throat> to live what we say we believe. Um, <clears throat> and then the next verse, uh, let's see. The next verse where it says, pull over to the next slide. Okay, so here he starts about uh, talking about the ships and how they're controlled by a small rudder. So if you've been in a, I just counted off a cruise ship. I didn't actually see the rudder, <coughs> but the ship was big. It was uh, almost a half a mile around. Like you took, went walking and you could take two, two loops to make a mile. So... That's big. It's like it was more than three football fields long. This huge thing. And there was 5,000 people on it. There was 2,000 crew and another 2,500 people who were guests. And <clears throat> so the rudder, which I didn't actually see, but I can tell you it was nowhere as big as that rest of the ship. 
it was relatively small. It might have made, it may, might have weighed 100 pounds or 500 pounds, but compared to the rest of the ship, it was relatively small. And it <clears throat> took us through the narrow places in the inlet of Alaska. And we didn't crash and we didn't go aground. Um, and then he talks about horses. And so he's contrasting two things, big, small, really big, really small, and then he says, but the power is in the small things. Power was in the small things. You think it's the boat, but it's the rudder that's got the power. And the person who's driving the rudder is, steer, is making, is setting the direction for the whole ship and bringing either protection or destruction now, they don't let just anybody up there on the wheel. Those people go to navigation school. They are trained. They are under authority. They are trained. They're in within the whole system. And they, you know, they have to, to know how to do that. And they are tasked with protecting thousands of people. And if they go astray, we remember stories of cruise ships that have gone astray in Italy, landed aground, many people were killed. And Paul knows, Paul, so this is written by James, and Paul knew that. He was shipwrecked, uh, how, many, I, how many times was he shipwrecked? He was shipwrecked a lot. So rudders were a big deal in um, this period of time. In fact, if you think about it, they were the, so rudders, so ships and horses were the technology of their day. It was like the most powerful thing, right? So they majored in, like, how do, how do kings and kingdoms, like, how do they win? Who are they, what are they measured by? It was how many horses they had and how strong and healthy they were, how fast they could run. Huge animals. But if the huge animal is not under control, he could destroy his rider, he could, he could kill his, uh, the person who's riding, and I'm thinking Indonesian, he could run amok, he could destroy, just run everywhere, knocking everything down and not doing anything with any actual, not any actual precision. And, but he brings into this microchip the bit. The bit can steer, he can direct, he can he can take this power force and make it go where it wants. And the same is true for the rudder. So they were the technology. He's referring to things that people recognize as technology. So um, words are powerful. So word, say that word to yourself. Words are powerful. So here when I'm saying tongue, you're, the power of the tongue, it's, I'm using it interchangeably with your words, because our tongue produces our words. So this is interchangeable. So words are powerful. Next, words give us direction. So James is not just talking about the small thing having power. He's also saying, um, you know, and he says this in the, in the first verse, too. He's saying, if anyone can control their tongue, you know, like if they, it's so hard to manage. It's the, like, one of the most 
difficult. He goes into that. Like, we can tame a lot of things, he says somewhere in the passage. We start with all sorts of animals. But as of yet, no one has tamed their tongue. And that was real. So two months ago, I read this thing, and I said, I don't know. That sounds really discouraging. No one can tame their tongue. I sure can. <laughs> you know, I have 58 years of trying. I don't have it perfect. And so at one level, I just want to give up. But that's a couple weeks ago, I kind of came back to this, reviewed this, I was, and, and I started, you know, so it's not like I hadn't been chewing. I've been chewing on this. So a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know, it could be discouraging. Let's see how I'm going to frame this. <clears throat> I could just give up, or I could say that if I could tame my tongue, my whole body is going to come with it. Like, so if anybody can tame their tongue, then it's likely that other things in their life are going to fall into line. And Andy Stanley calls that a keystone habit. It's a habit that if you brew that habit, there's other things in your life that tend to go well with you. Now, one of those, like, make your bed. If you make your bed, it's likely that something else is going to happen. Good. Or um, brush your teeth, you know. So there's keystone habits. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but they've done studies about that. Like, if you can get the momentum with the first one, other things come in line. So that is a keystone habit, and it sets the course of your life. Um, so these words are prophetic. Words, things that give direction are prophetic. Words that give direction are prophetic. So um, those of you who, I mean, so that's, the Bible says, you know, this is, a, this is an important thing. In 1 John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And by his Word, he created all things. So words not only give direction, but they, they are creative. And they have the power to change lives. So I, I, this is a verse that I pray a lot. So in Genesis, we know that the creator God spoke the universe into being, and by his words, he placed the sun, moon, and stars in their orbits. He spoke blessing. He said, every day, he said, it is good. You know, what if you say over your children? You are good. Like, you're loved. It doesn't mean that everything you did today was good, but in, but you are, like, you, because you were created by God, you are good. You are, um, so these are, um, um, things that change our perspective. And here I want to share a story. This week, I was privilege to be at the table. So we were family camp, and Mark and I sat at dinner with two uh, families who are fostering children. So we sat with the Goods and the 40 years, and we listened to stories. Is that right? If I show, I'm going to share the story. And, but I, we listened, and we were, uh, and they told a story of heartbreak. They told us stories of how, of what the, some of the children had been through. And uh, as in, like, there were different stories for each child. 
you know. So they would tell us, and they told us this with tears as they processed what the children they had, had, had experienced. And they themselves had tears. And I mean, so the goods and the 40 years would tell us because it caused them pain to know what these children had gone through. And um, so the 40 years, this is uh, Tanya and Keith Fortier who go to the Antioch Church in Waltham. And the 40 years tell us the story about one time uh, after this uh, very, very detailed story of how two children had come to be, with, be placed with them with DC, from DCYF, had been taken from their homes, which was a very abusive and neglectful situation, and had had to be kind of rescued out of the situation in the middle of the night and had an emergency placement in the middle of the night. And so they dropped, and it had been difficult. It had been difficult to take them away from their parents. So these two children, three and four, were dropped into their house at, I don't know, 8.30, um, late, late at night. So it was dark, it was late at night, and they were dropped into their house, and they said, oh my goodness, what just happened? Like, and over the next few weeks, the stories started to pour out from the children about what they had gone through. And so I don't remember the timeline of how long they had, uh, they took care of the children, but during that time, just like she does with her own kids, Tanya did crafts with the kids. And as they did, one of the crafts they did was they wrote, uh, spoke kind, they wrote words that just like we might encourage one another because we value that among our, in our community. They spoke, what do you, how would you describe little Allie? And they, uh, the Lord gave uh, Tanya some words that would be prophetic words over their lives meaning giving them direction. And one of those words was kind. And she said, I'm going to call her Allie. Allie, you know, I saw how you take care of your little sister. You are kind. You are kind. And I want you to know that. And so they drew the word kind on their little board. And then another day they would think of another word and they'd write the next word on like, you are a blessing. Write that down. So they did that over a week, some period of time, and they framed them and said, Allie, you are kind, you are of love, you are a blessing. And they wrote it down and put them on their, their dresser and framed it. They framed it and put it up there. Well, not long after so they framed that picture, that frame of words, they were, got a call from DCYF and said, it's time for the children to go back. So we, you know, this is the reunification is the, val is the highest, I mean, that's what they want to do. And so Tanya, the 40 years understand that, still broke, the, you know, like, oh, hard to give up the kids and trust them into the hands of the Lord. But they did. And as the children were being taken out to the car and with their suitcases, Allie looks back and says, I've got to have my words I need my words. And so she ran back into the house and grabbed her words, her, her frame, wrapped it up in her hands. And the other little child came back to grab their words. They put them in their hands and they held their words. And as they were going out the doors, Sally said, I'm going to tell my mommy I'm kind. 
that word, the prophetic word, I just pray right now, you can say amen, is that word would direct her life. That whatever she comes against in the coming years, that that word would be more powerful than all the other words that she's heard or will heard, will hear. So words are um, creative. And then finally, um, words are eternal. So here's the words are eternal. Now, I'm not saying that words are eternal necessarily. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to give a big hyperbole. It was like, I don't know that I could actually back up the... So we know that God, the Word, is eternal. The Word of God is eternal. Our words are eternal with a little e. Okay? They last a long, 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 long time. And so I'm using it in that effect. They last a long time. They can have effect now, and they can have effects in generations to come. And it's very hard to pull them back once you've said them. Now you can ask for forgive you. You can ask for God to reshape them. You can go to that person and you can make it known that that was a mistake. But they're out there. It's like the internet. Like, it's out there. And so never, so here's a story from my family. And I asked Dorothy if I could share this. So when my children were little, so this is common. It's a common story. Um, my little, my, um, okay, I have to wrap this up. Um, Dorothy was, um, eight, John Mark was seven. Okay, so she just finished second or third grade. He's in second grade. So they have a fight. They're having a fight, and John Mark, who knows, he was, I don't know if he was provoked or not provoked, but he lets her have it. He hits her. And I didn't ask John Mark if I could share the story. I'm sorry, honey. Um, okay, so he, he, um, he lets her have it, and she, being all of third grade, has mastered some, she's mastered self-control, so she did not hit him back. Instead, she thought what was, she went and did, so she thought, okay, I'm not going to have, I'm going to have self-control, don't hit him back, and, but she went to the typewriter. Now, when our kids were little, we actually had a I'm not, we had both. We had a computer and a typewriter. We actually had a typewriter because they loved the typewriter. I saved it out of the junk barrel somewhere. And they loved to type. So here's Dorothy, and if you all know Dorothy, she's good with words. So she puts the paper in, and she starts typing. And she starts typing everything she's thinking about John Mark. And, <laughs> and then she sees me come into the room, and she says, Mommy, John Mark, she's thinking, okay, my Savior has come. I'm going to ask for justice, and I'm going to get justice. So she says, Mommy, John Mark hit me. And I gave her justice. But it wasn't the kind that she expected. Because I saw the words that she had just typed out. And I said, well, honey, I'm sorry that John Mark hit you. It was probably not right. But let me tell you something. The words that you say, I'm much more upset by the words that you are writing because they last a long, long time. And I said, you know what? 
you will not remember that he hit you. Now, I'm not talking about abusive situations. This is, I'm, you know, I'm just talking, we're talking kids here. So I'm not saying anything bigger about an abusive situation. I'm saying in this case, the, if you will not remember that John Mark hit you, but he will, rem you and him will remember all the words that you speak. So choose your words carefully. And I asked her to something, you know, repent or tear up the words or, and she, she did. She understood, she, and I, if you know Dorothy, words are a gift. She is gifted with words. But she needs to know that they are the, the rudder of her life that are steering the direction of her, 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 her life as well as her relationships. And she has power in her words. And she's still an amazing writer, and now she is a builder. And she, meaning she doesn't work as a builder, but when she uses her words, she builds people up. And she writes blogs. And people say, how do you do that? Because she does them in one sitting. Anybody read her blog? She does them in one sitting. Um, and they are honest, transparent, but full of faith. I mean, they're like, they give the best on everybody. So, now, I'm going to pull it into some practicals. I'm skipping some things. I may pull them down here to the practicals here in a second. So, in order to, how do we do this? How do we, um, How do we get control over our tongue? It seems like it squirts out the side. Every time I've ever said, I'm not going to say that, I end up saying it. I mean, that's not completely true. Every time I was, I've not always said that. But it seems like I remember the times when they squirted out. Okay, so I remember the times they squirted out. And probably the person who I said them to remembers them too. Um, sometimes I have control over my tongue and it doesn't come out. So I just say that's, that's also true. I don't want to be inaccurate there. Um, but I do get frustrated because sometimes it seems like it slips out. And sometimes even if I say it right, it slips out with the tone of the way I say it or the timing. Um, so here's my thoughts on a recap. I'm going to recap and give you some practical tips. Got the... Okay. So... First word was plan. All the P's are left off, but we want to say plan. Plan. And so here's my ideas for planning. Planning. Do a, do a everybody knows, like if, I don't know if everybody knows, but if you are in a quality, uh, if you're in a job that has a quality performance ish, uh, aspect to it, then you need to get, if you want to make an improvement, you do a baseline. So you figure out where you are. So you take stock. And there's a couple ways you could do this. So I suggest doing a 360. Now you can do 360. What that means is like you can do it informally or formally. A 360 is like figure out all aspect of your life. Like in my work, in my friendships, with my parents, with my brothers and sisters, with my children. How am I using my words? What are, what are my strengths and what are my words? How do I bless you and how do I hurt you? 
And sometimes it's helpful to just get a friend to help you send out a little, and send out a little email and say, how do I bless you and how do I hurt you? I want to be better at hurting my words and trying to, that, that's helpful. It's painful. It would be painful to figure that out. I haven't done this, but I think it um, would be a good uh, step. And I get, the reason I got this idea is yesterday, um, I mean, as I, I think it's baseline is always a good idea, but yesterday Dorothy gave me a podcast that's called, you can write this down, or actually you'll see another, you can do the slide of that book, the book page, called 30 Days to Taming Your Tongue by Deborah Smith Peggy's, and um, this is the focus on the family podcast. And she said she didn't have control over her tongue, so she did a 30-day fast. And in the 30-day fast, she did different aspects of trying to control her tongue. And she said, I tried to not... So she said, different ways our tongue can take us astray, like the lying or misleading tongue, the harsh tongue, the complaining and grumbling tongue. So she said, on one day, I said, I just try to take 24 hours and not grumble, not complain, or take 24 hours and not, miss, not have any falseness in my speech, make it the, like the complete truth. Was I misleading anyone? Trying to check herself for that. And she said, you know, this isn't about the whole exercise. It's not to come out the end and go, I'm cool, I'm strong. Boy, am I under control. The idea, yes, we will be more under control, but we will understand where we need to grow. That's a 360. Prepare. So in preparing, um, I want to put three things. I don't know if I have this on the slide, but prepare is first submit to God. So that's our, our Bible verse for next, next week. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, which I always think he will run away because that's what I did with my kids. And he will run away. Um, so, you know, there was a whole analogy about the horse and the driver and the power and the bit in the mouth. But no one talks about the, who is riding the horse. I mean, so who's really controlling that is who's riding the horse. So have you let God ride the horse? Who's steering the bit? Who's doing the, who's command of the ship? So submit to God. Say, you, I am, all I am is yours. I submit to you. Uh, and then um, clean the cup. So in clean the cup, I'm saying forgive those who have said damaging words to you. Okay, so why do I clean the cup? Do you have a uh, picture of the fill the cup? Okay, why did we get like, why did I just say that? Like, I didn't want to say that. Why did that just come out? Okay, if we're a container, we are filled up with good and bad things. If we're all filled up with bad things, like we don't, or up to here, we have no margin, then when something else happens, like we get cut off at the highway, the first thing that sloshes out will be the thing that's on top. So in my analogy of cleaning the cup, we got to get rid of the hurt, the bitterness, the judgment. You know, we forgive. 
That's part of cleaning the compass, emptying it out. It's also building margin into your life. But forgiving is key. Confess that God is almighty and the righteous judge. In other words, you know, I, don't, I am not the judge of the situation. But you, O oh God, are all-powerful and righteous. And you will bring this situation you will figure this out for me. You will be my defender, and you will put it right. We even, I may not live to see it all come out right, but you are going to put this right. I, I let this go to you. And then release. Release those who have hurt you. Fill the cup. What are we filling the cup with? So we've emptied it out. Now we're going to fill up. So what's going to come out now? If you slosh, if, the, if you get pushed around, what's going to come out? If you've got good things in the cup, good things will come out. Jesus said it's not what a man eats that defiles him. It says it's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. And why is that? It's because out of the fullness, it's like, it says guard your heart, for out of it come the wellspring of light. So guard what's going into your heart, all the things you're watching, the attitudes of, like, the fringe you're around. I don't mean to say never be with someone who has bad attitude, but I'm saying make sure that mo a lot of good stuff is going in. All right? And be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never asked the Holy Spirit to fill you, ask him to fill you. Every day ask him to fill me today that I would be sloshing over the Holy Spirit instead of um, bitterness or hatefulness or judgment. Okay. And then the last two is practice. Practice. So we have to train. So this is a war. I mean, like every day is like, what's going to happen? We're going through the minefield. We're coming over the fire, over the hill, up the wall. Okay. Do you think that just happens? That doesn't just happen. You have to train for it. We were with, a, it just happened to be with a bunch of, um, uh, one of my, my cousin, Mark's cousin, is an army ranger, and his dad was an army. And so we've just been, so there's the, the analogy, but I think the Bible says this too. It's like you got to train for the day of battle. You prepare yourself. And how do you prepare yourself? Well, okay, there's a couple ones. It's like you say, what do I want to say instead of that? Like the next time this happens, what do I want to say? <laughs> you, you memorize. So if I, I think I said that in the last one. We're filling the cup. We're memorizing scripture so that we're ready. Um, Mark and I practiced. I remember practicing when we first married. Um, I'm not sure if he does. But we're, like we'd been married a year. So we'd had one trial of that. Okay, so we're going into the second year. And we moved into a new apartment and, uh, in Hewitt, in Hewitt, Texas. And then that apartment we said, honey... I want to, now this sounds really ooey-gooey and cushy, but it wasn't. It was really, this was really intentional. I want to say I love you 40 times a day. And so it wasn't, but we were saying I love you. Like, change, I love you. But why were we doing that? It was because when I got hurt, I wanted the first thing that came out to say I love you, honey, but that hurt my feelings. Instead of, I can't believe you did that. It's like, I love you, honey. I know you love me. That hurt my feelings. Um, cues. This is, I think this is really helpful. I use cues in my life. There's another Andy Stanley idea. Like, when am I going to use this? Because a lot of times something goes by and you think, 
oh, I should have done that, but that was five minutes ago. You know? And so here's some cues. When I feel like I get a gut punch, if I, if I want to go, oh, that hurt. I can't believe they said that. Oh, then I want to bless and not curse. I want to bless that person and pray for them. Like, that's a cue to me. And so I didn't use that verse a while ago, but the Bible says early is, bless those who, uh, bless those who curse you. Um, pray for those who mistreat you. So I want to be, whenever I go, oh, that hurts so bad. Second cue, like if I feel anger, I want to raise my fist because of injustice or misunderstanding. I want to release. I want to go release it. I release it to you. I release this situation to you, God. I pray that you would make it right because I am not the judge of the world, and I trust you to make this right because I feel so angry. So cues. And then finally, pray and bless. So here's my four piece. Pray and bless. So over the years, our kids have seen us, I mean, so it's, it takes training, but we can bless those who curse you. If they speak a curse on you, if they said, you're the, don't you know you're a no good something, you know, and you don't ever try, and you always this, and I can't believe that, then it's coming at your identity. And you're saying, you don't, seem like I feel unseen or I feel in this peg hole I need some hope but instead of taking that you can change the direction by by blessing and saying I Jesus said you know, on his cross he said I Lord forgive them for they know not what they're doing the very people who are killing him he says Lord forgive them they don't know what they're doing and may we be those people who say I bless them Jesus you are you will make it right, but I bless them and I pray for them. And recently we had somebody who uh, was very unkind to us at our family and, Mark, and, and wrote some really hurtful, not only said them, but they wrote them about, uh, I don't just, I'm not going to repeat it, but they were really unkind, super unkind, and wrote them down. And so powerful. It was weeks. I was in pain for weeks, even though this person is not, you know, like, it just had a profound effect on me, and so it drove me to pray. So every, our prayer life increased a lot right after that, and uh, I, it took me a couple weeks before I was not, like, going to that every second, like, every time the day, because it was the first thing that was coming up, and so pray and bless, but it worked. I can bless I bless her. I say, Jesus, reveal yourself to her in the most powerful way you can. Personal way. Reveal yourself. May this be an opportunity. My my pain be an opportunity for her to encounter the living God in a personal way. So, that, thank you for listening. But I hope that some of those tips are helpful to you. And I encourage you to train for the day, practice, plan, um, practice, and pray. Okay? Let's stand together. We're going to head out on a picnic in a moment. We're going to submit our tongues to the Lord. Lord Jesus, 
This is you. <laughs> as it's I'm praying right us. now for all of us. It is all so, of us. Lord, we give you our tongues and Submit we ask that you would you. break patterns in our lives that are deeply rooted because of pain, because of the spirit of this world, because of other things that have happened in our life. We give our tongues to you and we ask for every child, every man and, and woman in this room, that we would be those who speak honor and blessing and create new futures in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so, I don't know if we got...